Good morning. Good morning. Well, this is it, our last, our last meeting for the year. It's been a year, hasn't it? It's been a great year. I think it's been a wonderful year. I want to bring you to a couple of scriptures. Um, some are familiar. Let's take it to me in scripture. First of all, Psalm 103. Just go there real fast. Just kind of bring you to Psalm 103. Will be just the first two verses, and then I'll take you to another another book. If anyone needs a Bible, there's Bibles in the back as well. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." And all that is within me, bless his holy name. To, to bless means to, to verbally speak of God's excellence. When you bless somebody, you bless the Lord, you're speaking with your actual mouth <laughs> of the excellence and worthiness of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 2, and forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name, and bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And then he's going on in this like 17 or so benefits, right? Who pardons your iniquities and heals your diseases. But this is not where I'm going to camp out. I just want to talk about blessing the Lord today, amen? And it says, and forget none of his benefits. Why? Because we tend to forget, don't we? <laughs> I want this day, this, this, this sermon today to be, I don't know if it's going to be sermon teaching, what we're going to call it, we're going to call it something, to be a day of blessing the Lord and remembering His benefits. Because sometimes life, life can just be so busy and distracting and all kinds of stuff that you forget the hand of God in your life, right? And take it for granted, you know? Go with me then to also now to, hmm, do I want to use this other one? Yeah, let's go, let's go. First Samuel 7. First Samuel 7. We'll go one verse, and then we're going to go to Joshua after that. So First Samuel 7. One more, uh, just a, First Samuel 7. I'm going to read verse 3 and then verse 12. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you are to return to Yahweh, the Lord, with all your heart, and remove the foreign gods and the Astaroth from among you, and set your hearts towards the Lord and serve him alone, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Skip on down. By the way, Samuel is going to, uh, um, the, Phil- the Israelites are going to engage and defeat the Philistines. And after doing that, then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer. And he said, thus far, Yahweh, the Lord has helped us. The word in Hebrew for stone is Eben, or Evan. B and the V are the same letter, the, the bait. 
This, is, this means the stone of help. He sets up a stone and says, thus far God has helped us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. All right, now go to Joshua chapter 4. This is where I want to be. Joshua 4. I'm going to read the first six verses, and then I'm going to skip to the last six verses. Now it happened when all the nation had completed crossing the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Carry for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle, middle of the Jordan, and each of you carry a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel, in order that this would be a sign, it's the Hebrew word is oath, it sounds like oath, uh, it means public display, this would be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Okay. Skip down to verse 19. Now I'll explain this in a second. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th of the first month. By the way, this is 40 years to the day that they began preparing for the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, it was the first month the tenth day that they began for the first Passover to come out of Egypt. Forty some odd years later, they're now preparing to enter into the promised land. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. And those twelve stones which were taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Then he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? Then you shall make your children know, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had, we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is strong that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, I skipped a big part of the chapter, purposely. <laughs> I'll come back to that. What's going on here? Israel had been set free from Egypt 40 years later, after spending 430 years in Egypt. God had told Abraham, know for certain that your people will be, you'll be slaves in the, in the country that's not your own, but I'll, I'll rescue them, right? 
Moses is, is brought up by God. God lifts up Moses to be the leader that leads them out. And they get out of, the, out of Egypt, and they go to the edge of the promised land 40 years prior. And Numbers tells us that they rebelled, that they didn't believe because they saw giants in the land and walled cities and people too great for them. And so they rebelled. And only two people said, we can do this with God's help, and that was Joshua and Caleb. That generation that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness. Now their kids have grown up, and their kids are now about to enter into the promised land. And before they go, they have the, uh, Joshua is led by God to say, carry the ark and bring the ark to the Jordan River. And when the ark comes in, when you guys come, the Jordan will split like the Red Sea. And once the children of Israel cross through, then the priests will come out and the river will come back. But before you do that, make sure you do a couple things. One thing, take some stones, some, not some small ones, but stones that are probably you have to carry on your shoulders, significant size stones, from the middle of the Jordan. It's dry now. Carry those stones out, one for each tribe. And you're going to set them up at a place called Gilgal as a witness, as a testimony, as a... As a uh, uh, as a memorial, as the text says. <coughs> right, set those stones up out there so that there's significance to that place and to what happens here. And they do that, right? Now, I skipped a couple of verses. I skipped a significant verse because not only do they do that, but Joshua does something else. Look at verse, look at verse 9. But Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. Now watch this. God says, Joshua, take stones from the middle of the Jordan. The priests are in the Jordan, and the, the rivers, the, the waters are, are downstream, waiting for the Ark to get out so they can reflow, Right? take stones from that middle and bring it out to Gilgal on the, on the outside the river so that generations come can see these stones and they'll say, what's going on with these stones? So he does that, right? But then Joshua also takes stones and he piles them back onto the river where the priests were standing. And then after the ark comes out of the river, the river comes back in, Right? But it says, what does it say again? It says, they are there to this day. They're covered with water, but they're still there. So far so good? Pretty simple, right? We can go home now, right? <laughs> What's going on here? Because why am I, where am I, what am I doing with this, right? See, there's significance, first of, all, the, first of all, these stones, look what he says, the stones, first of all, the public stones that are out there at Gilgal. Look with me at verse 12, 21. When the children, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? See, those of us who have been walking with the Lord, we have testimony of God's action to our life, Right? But future generations may not have experienced what we've experienced, right? 
See, future generations, that, that generation who walked with you, they were there. They saw the river split. They saw, first of all, they lived in the wilderness for 40 years, and they saw God providing every single day. Man in the morning, right? Man of cotton, man of burgers, man of, man of bread, you know? Every day, God provides. They lived, and they lived in the desert, and their desert over there is way more desert. Our desert is like plush, you know, it's lush, it's got, right? Their desert over there is, that's desert. And they had a river of water following them in the desert for those years, providing, God provided water, and he provided food. You know, you got to wonder, there's over a million people there wandering in the desert. Okay, you and I can't, we know how it is living in the desert. We, we carry water bottles everywhere, right? The people in other states, they think we're nuts because we carry water. Because we're used to it. This is life, right? God provided every single day. So they had lived that daily. But then they live, they see, they weren't, they didn't go through, the, well, they did, well, their, their dads and moms did, but they're too young to remember. But now they're growing up and they're seeing this. But they realize future generations may not experience what we experience in God. They need to see for themselves that God did something here. Amen. Yeah. See, I, I want this. I understand is that is that <clears throat> those those stone. That stone is a public testimony, isn't it? Yeah. And and this wasn't uh, uh, other cultures would build stones for some. This was significant though in Israel's history, because people tend to forget. You and I tend to forget the acts of God in our life, don't we? We we tend to uh, we you know it's you know we come to the new year. And, and there's worries, and there's all things. You know, you know, come on, your mind is everywhere but now, right now, right? You're, you're thinking about the past, you're thinking about tomorrow, you're worrying about the future, and then you have the, the problems, what happened in this, in, this, in this past year? Was it good, was it bad? You know, we, we have all that going on, crowd out, and we forget there's a testimony to God in our lives. And in that testimony, these were real-life testimony, real stones, but we don't always have those stones, right? We don't always have... Those stories reminder. We tend to forget, but these were public. Here's watch this. These stones got their attention. What do these mean? Why are these here? This is weird. This is strange. This is not normal. This is unusual. You know, in one sense, our lives ought to be a living testimony, a living stone. Right? See, our children may not read the Bible, but they read us. Right? I want my children to read the Bible. I want, I want my kids to memorize the Bible. But they, my children may not read the Bible, but they read me. And let it be that my life is a reflection, a testimony of God's work here, right? These stones have gotten the attention of, of, of the future generations or those and say, what's going on here? First of all, these stones speak of history. Something has happened here. Something historical has happened. Dad, Mom, what, are those, what does that mean? This speaks of the acts of God. So, you know, it's the last day of the year. And, you know, some of us tend to reflect on the year. I don't know if, if you do that. I do. I try to reflect. Where has this gone? You know, what? And say, well, and we need to be reminded of the goodness of God. 
that God doesn't just act in history. He acts today as well, right? These stones that they set up were a public display of the acts of God. God did something here. God did a miracle there, right? In fact, you go to, we went to Israel in May, right? We went to every single place was significant. Elijah, Mount Carmel, he, caught, he faced the, the prophets of Baal here, you know? Or, you know, we didn't see, uh, we didn't pass by the field where, where uh, David faced Goliath, but it's there. You know, it's a, it's a valley of Eli. He's there. Every single place was significant. God did something here. God did something there. And when we read our Bibles, it's not supposed to be just history. It's supposed to be theology. Look, look at what he says. Look at verse, look at verse uh, 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you crossed, right? Just as, you see that word, just as? In the same way, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before. Now, when God acts in history, it's not just a historical lesson, it's a theological. Because what God does back then, he still does today. Amen? Yep. See, that's why we read the Bible and say, this all happened. There was actual, our, our, our faith is not based on fantasy. Real people, real places, real events. Right? Not imaginary, you know, la-la land stuff. Actual places that you can visit. You can visit the tomb of Jesus. You can visit the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and sweated drops of blood. Why is that so important? Because, because our faith is based on actual things that happen, right? And it's important that we are reminded of God's works, right? God has been here. God has impacted this place. A miracle was done here. Somebody, you know, we, we go to, uh, this, I'm just going to, yeah. Oh. Does everyone, are you, preach? Did I hear that? I'm, 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 I'm wrestling here, okay? I'm wrestling here because I'm, I'm wrestling with, because here's the thing is, is that we can go with our lives and not realize that God still works today, even if it's not written in Scripture. Right? I got the, the events that God does in my life is, may not read in Scripture. I'm not adding to Scripture, but there's still the same God who worked back then who's working today, right? right? Many of us can testify, right? Those of us who are older in the faith can testify of God coming through in various ways, right? But people need to see that, right? Our life is a demonstration of the, of the grace of God. If you, had, if you knew me before, you'd be like, you're a different person. Not because of me, because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? God gets the glory, and we tend to forget his benefits, don't we? We tend to forget how he's come through. Why? Because we have short two memories, don't we? God, you told me you loved me yesterday, but do you love me today? Right? Will you love me tomorrow? I still have the nail prints on my hands. Nothing's changed. All right? Amen. Uh, we tend to easily uh, get are susceptible to doubt. I mean, we're sheep, aren't we? You know, we tend to rely on our intellect and our abilities and our and our focus and what we see, and we have no idea what God's doing behind the scenes, right? See, I want us to look with eyes of faith and say, if God does certain things in the past, He can still do it today, right? I got I to gotta have that kind of faith. Otherwise, if I look at the world, I'll be I'll be crushed with worry and despair and doubt. Won't I? 
But isn't the light greater than the darkness, we said last week? Yes. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it or comprehend it. We said that, didn't we? Yeah. Or we read that. I, tend to, I, don't tend to, I don't realize what God's doing, even in bringing me to this point. I don't realize I tend to judge my life by my plans. If my plans don't fail, I must be a failure. No, your plans may not be God's plans, but God's plans will always come to pass, won't they? Well, praise God that my plans have failed, right? Because these stones, I'm speaking spiritually now, these stones, so to speak, let them be a testimony of what God has done in my life, not what I have done, right? God was the difference. You say, I don't see those stones today. Look at the church. Every single born-again believer who's been touched and changed by Jesus Christ is a living stone, a living testimony of what God has done. And all of us can have stories to share. We can, all, we can, we can spend the whole, the whole year speaking about all the ways that God has come through for us, can't we? And the world's like, where's God? Where's God? Well, the church is, a te- is his bride, right? And we're, we may not be perfect in your eyes, but God has done something in our hearts, hasn't he? See, future generations need to see and hear how God came through in our lives. And we need to be reminded. My faith means to be reminded, you know? Because I don't know about you, my faith gets attacked. Does your faith get attacked? Oh, yeah, doesn't it get attacked? I get attacked. The moment I stop preaching, I start getting attacked. Until the next Sunday. Right? I, I forget his benefits, don't I? But let us remember his benefits. Right? Let's stand with, with, with Noah. Here's Noah, who has just come through the flood. Right? All of planet Earth has been killed except for he and his family. And Noah sets up an altar to God. Why? To thank God, to worship God, to honor God for bringing him through that flood, right? Some of us, God has brought through us through our own floods, hasn't he? And in some way, in some way, there, there, there's a recognition of only God brought me through this. And I give praise and testimony and glory to, glory to him, don't I? You see, the, but the waters are still high. <laughs> yeah, but he protected you in the ark of Christ, didn't he? Yeah. You see, just because, see, God came through in these things, but guess what? There were still problems they had to endure, didn't they? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's David, who is, who is out tending a sheep, and here comes a lion, and here comes a bear, and David comes, and he's able to defeat that bear and lion, not because of himself, because God gave him the strength, so that when he hears a Goliath challenging the, the sons of Israel, who were, who were the people of God, who had a God that was bigger than anyone else, and there's Saul, who was supposed to lead them. Saul, big king, tall, dark, and handsome Saul, who is afraid. Why? Because his God is small, because he doesn't trust his God. And David comes on the scene. He's a little red. The, the word says he's ruddy. It means he's either got red hair or he's got cheek, you know, rosy cheek eye. He's reddish. Here's his little, this, little, this little kid with his little sling say, that guy's nothing. Because my God helped me with that lion, and my God helped me with that bear. This Philistine will be nothing compared to what God has done. He remembers, doesn't he, what God has done for him. I'm not preach- Am I preaching to anyone today? Come on now. I only had one cup of coffee. That was homemade. <laughs> I could do another, right? Abraham. Abraham remembers the faithfulness of God. Why? Because God says, Abraham... Give me your child. Give me your son, Isaac. Uh, Abraham remembers when God spoke, spoke to him. His name was Abram. 
He was old. His wife was barren. They had no kids. Abram, your name is now Abraham, father of multitude. And he lived for years childless. There's that crazy, crazy guy, Abraham, who thinks he's got kids, right? Because God's speaking to him, and in faith he walks. And finally he gets an Isaac. His boy, he's been waiting for years. He's looking forward to going hunting and fishing and playing baseball with him and, you know, that kind of stuff. And God says, offer up your son. And Abraham remembers when he went forth and, and, God's, and, and Dad, where's, we got the wood. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? And God himself will provide. God is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. And he went through and he, at the last minute, God says, nope, that's enough, I, Abraham. Don't offer my, I got a lamb for you, right? But he remembers that God came through at that last moment, right? He remembers that. Some of you have surrendered your precious ones to God, haven't you? You've given everything to Him. You've placed it in His hands. You've placed your life, you've placed your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren in His hands. God will not let you down. Now, He might not come through the way you want Him to come through, but He will be faithful because He was faithful. That's who he was in the past. And guess what? He still did the same today, isn't he? He is the same today. He is faithful today. We serve a faithful God. Our God is not powerless. You do realize, am I speaking to anybody today? I hope I'm not boring anyone. Because this is not boring. Bless the Lord. Israel remembers, right? And Moses remembers. God, we were wandering in the wilderness. And guess what? You brought us out of Egypt. We were trapped. You brought us through that. But you're faithful. And Israel remembers that they were lacking, and God provided bread that they didn't know. Elijah remembers when he faced the prophets of Baal. And even in his despair, you understand, after he defeated the prophets of Baal, and little Jezebel threatened him, he ran for his life, and he wanted to die. He says, God, just kill me. I'm, no, I'm, I'm all alone. Have you guys ever been that? Yeah. Right? After a great victory in the Lord, you just all of a sudden you go down to the pits and you're like, it's all me, woe is me. I'm de-, and, and you're all by yourself. You're isolated. No, no one knows, right, what darkness is surrounding you. And God says, what are you doing here? <laughs> I still have work for you. <laughs> you're not alone. I have, I have saved and reserved 7,000 that have not bowed the knee. Amen? I can testify, I can go through every page of the Bible, every guy. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Hey, we got tossed in the fire, and there's a fourth person with us. He looks like the Son of God. All right? Hezekiah, we're surrounded by all the Assyrians. Jerusalem is the neck that's surrounded by the flood of the Assyrians. And God says, I'm going to send one angel to kill 185,000. Amen. See, we need these reminders, don't we? Don't we? Paul can testify. Here's Paul on his way to Damascus, and Jesus comes and says, you're mine. And then Paul says later on, everyone left me. Everyone deserted me. But the Lord stood by me. Right? See, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have those days where it gets dark and dreary. But you understand, the Lord has not left you, isn't he? These stones were a public display that God did something here. That God was faithful here. Man couldn't do this. No superman could do this. Only God could do that. And that's the whole testimony right here where God says, people say, that was God. That had to have been God. 
Abraham, good luck having children. But with God, I gave you something. Right? But watch this. Okay, this, this is a public display, isn't it? Right? Everyone sees it. Right? It gets people said, what's different about you? You've changed. Jesus Christ has changed my life. Amen? Amen. There's something. Now, I'm not perfect. You guys my family, right? But if you knew me before I met Jesus Christ, before he came back, before I was the prodigal son, and he welcomed me back, I was filthy and full of sin, and, and I had no business. I, I'm not worthy to be. And Jesus came and just took me, in, and he changed my life. Right? And if you knew me before, you'd be like, that's God, because that wasn't you, because you're not that smart <laughs> or, or that powerful. But these stones that people can see are significant. And let it be that we have testimonies are like that, right? But then go back to verse, go back to verse 9. Because not, are there, not only is there a public testimony, there's also a private testimony. These are private memorials. Joshua goes and he places 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests were. So the, the ark is in the middle. The priests bring the ark in. The water stopped flooding. And the ark sits here. And the people pass by. And once the last people go by, they ex- exit out and the waters come back in. But before the exit, Joshua comes. He's not commanded by God to do this. He does this on his own. And he sets up 12 stones here as well. They exit out and the waters flood. Now you come, you come walking along. You see the stones at Gilgal. There they are, public testament. What happened? What's going on with these stones? That's, in, that's interesting. That's unusual. And that gets your attention, right? God did something there. You walk by that river and you happen to just walk by those stones that are submerged under the surface, don't you? They don't get your attention, do they? Nope. They're hidden, aren't they? Uh, but Joshua knows they're there, right? Joshua knows those, those hidden, that hidden testimony, doesn't he? See, that's the, that's the private testimony. That's the, if you only knew. Right? If you only knew what God did for me. Amen? See, there's something that God has done in your life that no one else knows. Those prayers you've been praying, the way he came through in that situation, that only you and God know, Right? And they're hidden believe the service, but you sometimes remind yourself of what's hidden there. Amen? Amen. See, Joshua, Joshua is told in chapter 3, hey, listen, from this point on, I'm going to make you like Moses. You're, you're, you're sort of going to be elevated in status. People are going to say, hey, now that's the new leader. And Joshua, before he comes into the promised land, I think he sets, we don't know why he sets him up. Maybe he sets him up as an acknowledgement of what God was about to do in his life. This was, a, this was something between him and the Lord. And yeah, the children of Israel, but there was something meaningful to him, wasn't it? These are personal testimony to the faithfulness of God. This is the, if you only knew testimonies, some of us come in here and you're barely hanging on. You're struggling and you're like, God, I just want to quit. God, you have no idea. I, I put on a smile. Everyone looks great. Inside, I feel like I'm dying. 
and then God comes through in a certain way and answers your prayer or speaks to you. I, I, I've had that. I've wanted to quit. You know how many times I've wanted to quit? How many guys are ministers in here? How many did you want to quit? 365 days of the year. You call yourself a pastor? How could you? How could you? I'm a human being as well, aren't I? You, know, you understand, I, this is not, you know, doing this whole church thing wasn't my, my, wasn't in my plans. I ran from it. I, I ran. I ran so far away. God led, led, led me to start this church and it was like, this is, whatever happens at this church, my prayer that it would be a public display of God, not me. Whatever happens in my life, let it be a public display of God, not me. Because if you only knew, I could share stories. God had to chase me down, not really, literally, but he was patient with me. He called me, and I'm like, it's a lesson I want to do. <laughs> You're, God, I'm an introvert, right? I don't have the greatest confidence. I can't sing, because I thought every pastor has to sing. Can you guys sing? Okay, my best friends, they all can sing, right? God chooses the, the weak things of the world, doesn't he? And that doesn't mean he doesn't use the, the, the smart and good people of the world. I, you know, I'm, but I'm talking about me, my personal testimony here. There was times when you wanted, to, you wanted to quit. There was times you've wondered, did we leave Egypt prematurely? I remember the leeks and the onions and the, all the good things back in Egypt, right? Left my career... Right? We've, left, we've left everything to follow you, Jesus. Right? John the Baptist from the prison cell says, can you ask Jesus, is he the one? Is he the expected one or someone else? Because I'm sitting here in jail and there's supposed to be this new kingdom coming on. And, and Jesus says, tell John what you see. The lame walk again and the blind see and the deaf hear. The kingdom of God is here. It's just not how you want it to be, but it's here, and you haven't made a mistake. Keep walking by faith. And yes, you're going to lose your head. Guess what? You'll be with me in heaven. How many of you guys have those private testimonies? The, if you only knew what God has done. I remember one time I was early, early in, in trying to figure out the whole church thing, and I am not in a good place. I'll just be honest. I am not in a good place. Spiritually or mentally, I'm running. I'm literally on a beach in California, in San Diego. I got my headphones on, listening to stuff I shouldn't be listening to. I'll just be honest, right? And I'm running. In the midst of me running, Dwayne, I'm telling you, I don't hear God's voice. I don't hear audible voices, right? He leads me in through his word, and his Holy Spirit speaks. But God spoke, and he says, I know where you're at. Like I was running literally, but I was also running mentally because I was running from all this stuff, right? And graciously he spoke in the midst. It's as if like everything faded away and he says, I know where you're at. 
And I'm not done with you. <laughs> God says, I'm not done with you, Dwayne. I still have plans for you. Not at all is hopeless. As a church, I can't point to all kinds of crowds coming to our church or a lot of baptisms. I've had one person I've baptized here. Praise God, right? I can't point to all kinds of decisions because I don't, I don't, I don't know what God's doing. Right? But I do know that God has changed people's lives. I do know that God has, has healed relationships. I know people have come fearful of coming to church because they've been burned by church before and they're deathly afraid of being judged and harped on and they're coming in wounded. And the last thing they need is somebody to tell, hey, you're a sinner. They already know that. They know they made the mistakes. They come and, will I be welcomed here? They wonder, will I, will I be accepted here? Hey, we want to love you. Right? And see you get healed up. The whole vision for the church was Isaiah 60, 61. Right? And Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach good news. Good news to the poor and to the, to the woes in bondage, and those who are broken, those who are poor in spirit, those who know they're the prodigal. Right? I can't point to all that stuff, but I can point to the number of times that when I wanted to quit, God has sustained me. I can point to the times He has led me in prayer, the times when things weren't going the way I wanted or planned or hoped that He has sustained my faith. We came out of a megachurch, Sharon. You and I came out of a megachurch. What that means? Brian, you were with us. That means every church should be a megachurch. Oh, it's so easy to have a megachurch. <laughs> That's laughable, right? And I'm not one to put on, I don't want to put on a show and entertain people or make it about me. I don't want to be a showman. So my prayer has always been, God, if you do something, it's got to be you, not me, right? Don't follow me. Follow Jesus. Because people will let you down. You follow personality, you're a famous person, they'll let you down. Guess, guess what? They're sinners too. Shock. <laughs> That's the news, isn't it? I've read church growth programs. They say a little here, a little there, an instant church. Nonsense. Because Jesus says, I will build my church. Right? And I had to learn this. I had to learn this, that God's purpose for your life and the way he's going to carry that is individually unique. Stop comparing yourself to others. We have to stop comparing ourselves to the church down the street or to the, to the Christian whose kids don't ever sin. Because every single post on social media is how glorious their children are. Right? You've got to stop comparing. Why? Jesus says, you follow me. My plan for you is unique. And I'm gonna, my uniqueness is going to spread around here. So God bless them, Right? What God is doing here is unique. People come and they say, you guys are welcoming. Y'all are loving. I feel safe here. I feel... And praise God, you know, we're still, we are committed to the Word of God. You understand? There's uniqueness there. We com- I'm committed to teaching the Word of God because I believe the Word of God. I can't point to a lot of things, but I can point to His grace and patience when I have been very impatient, when I have been disappointed. I, I can point to a stubborn-like faith he's given me to keep going. 
I want to quit every day, but yet I have something in me that says, you're not going to quit because God's got something he wants to do. And I'm like, Lord, let your will be done. Right? You're in the middle of a marathon. You've been training for four or five months for, and you're at mile 20 when the race gets hard. That's when the race begins. And you're like, I'm not quitting. I put up, I've run 20 miles. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Turn around? God has brought me through this journey and let it be that he carries me through if he has to, right? I can point to the testimony that uh, people's lives have been changed. I can point to the insights of help he's given me and his worthy encouragement. I can point to times when my best friend will text me encouragement at the right moment. John, I'm praying for you. The Lord's going to use this. The Lord's... And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I speaking to anyone here? I mean, I am. I mean, you guys are here. <laughs> Many of us would say, like Joshua, if you only knew how God came through me. Some of us have set up personal, personal stones. I've done that, where I've set up a, a pile of stones, and it's like, okay, that's, a, that's something came, God came, gave through me here. I have pictures. I have a picture of the clouds in the sky. I don't know if I want to tell that story. When I, when I, can I let me tell it? Yeah. I don't have to tell it. I, I, well, it's private. Well... Yes? yes? Okay. Might as well, I, I, I know, beta breath. I'm just bringing real, okay? This is a testimony time, okay? And then once I say it, I'm done. <laughs> I have a picture of my phone. <clears throat> oh, boy. Um, I'm trying to find it. Here it is. February 3rd, 2019. Um, Super Bowl Sunday. These are clouds, okay? What's the big deal? Can I, I'm going to tell this, and then I'm not going to tell it in, again, because I don't want, it to be, I want this to be a testimony to God, okay? Not about me. Ministry's hard. You're, you get attacked, your family gets attacked. You just, you know... You don't go, get into ministry and say, because you've graduated, you'll never have problems again. Just the opposite. The, this, Satan will attack your family in ways you've never even imagined. And they'll come constantly. By the way, we have pe- people that pray during the service and before the service. Praise God for those people that pray. Yes. All right? So this is Sunday. I'm discouraged this particular Sunday. I am I'm discouraged. All right? And we're having a party, a Super Bowl party. So Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, so we have to go have church. We have church. We're next door, two doors down. I think we're next door, weren't we? Two doors down. And it's raining. In fact, the cloud cover on the valley is thick, and it's going to rain for days. Like it's un- that kind of rain, it's not like the summer rain where it rains and disappears, and you forget it ever rained, it's dried. No, this is one of those, the whole entire valley is covered with a thick cloud, and it's raining. And guess what? I have a lot of people coming over for the Super Bowl. So I get the church to set up. You know, it's raining. I'm like, okay, I guess it's going to be one of those days, you know. We have church. And after church, I go to Costco to get stuff for the party. By the way, we have a lot of people. We have 40, 50 people that come. We have a lot of kids. And now I'm a little bit angry at God. 
Okay, can I just... <laughs> this, is a, this is not preaching. This is, this, this is testimony time. Because this is my little... This is underneath the surface of the, of the Jordan River. Okay, I'm going to show you. So I'm at Costco. I'm getting stuff. I got, I got, I got games I'm going to have for the kids. Because I, I need those kids outside. So I'm driving on Pinnacle Peak. I go to this Costco here. I'm driving on Pinnacle Peak back to my house. And my, I'm having words with God. Was, maybe you say that was disrespectful, but I'm just telling you the truth, okay? I'm like, Lord, I need a sign from you. Now, don't. This, I've never prayed this in my life, and I'm telling you the truth, okay? But there was a boldness and a little bit impatience in me <laughs> because I was wrestling. Lord, do I, do, what do I do with this church? You know, do I keep it going? I said, Lord, I need a sign. I got. Van full of food, and then I got games. I got like you know badminton and the, the football and the whole right. And I said, Lord, I got a lot of people coming to my house. I got a lot of kids. I need those kids outside. I do, right? Yes. I got a lot of kids coming. I got games. I got ping pong. I got football. I got you know horseshoes or whatever. You know, I got all. The, I said, God, I need those kids outside so they can enjoy themselves. You know. But I need to know if you really want me to keep this thing open. Because you know, when you struggle, people say, well, you should just give up and quit, right? They say, oh, God must not be in this. Right? Oh, you have no idea, right? So I'm like, I'm driving. I can tell you to the exact place I'm driving. I'm, pinkle- I'm like, Lord, I need a sign. And I was mad. I was like, Lord, either give me a sign or else. And I, I wasn't like disrespectful. I was just kind of impatient. Like, Lord, I'm hurting here. Do I keep the church open or not? Now then, this is what came in my mouth was I'd never prayed this way ever in my life, and I don't recommend. This is God was gracious to me. Okay, He understood where my heart was coming because I really didn't want to church, close the church. Down. I didn't want to give up. I wanted to continue because I, but I needed encouragement. I need something. You know, people telling you things, but you can have to you have to have that personal testimony that God did something here. I said, God, it's raining all over the valley. I said, and I did this. My hands off the steering wheel. I said, Lord, let it be that you open up over my house so it stops raining over my house. I don't care about my neighbors. (laughs) Let it be that you open up over my house so that doesn't rain. I need it to stop raining for the entire duration of the Super Bowl because those kids need to be outside playing and having fun, right? I said, I need a sign. Now, again, Malad, this is not what I normally do. I'm just giving you, okay, this is not, you know. Follow this practice of prayer, okay? This was, I had never prayed this in my life, but God knew where my heart was. God, if you do that, now that's a challenge. That had to be a gothic. If you open up the heavens over my house, then I'll take that as a sign you want me to keep going. So I get home, park the car, I start unloading. I'm in the backyard setting up, and guess what? It's raining harder. <laughs> and I'm like, and now I'm like, kind of like, okay, so that's how it's going to be. And I was kind of, I was, I was, I was, I was a little mad. Um, so games, we had people come over at 4.30. Game starts at 5 maybe, 4.30-ish. Come over at 4.30, game starts. You know how long the Super Bowl is, right? It's hours plus the, the halftime show is 
right? So the whole thing is several hours long. And I told my friend what was going on. I said, just pray for me. I just, I just said this prayer, and I just, <laughs> either this is going to be a sign from God. Literally, at, at 424, I took this picture of over my house. Over my house. Okay, it stopped raining over my house at 424. This happened. Okay? People came over. Kids played outside. Kids had a good time. Everyone had a great time. Right? Bless the Lord. I told my friend CL what was going on. Game ends. And a friend of ours, Keith, he's, he's there. He goes, John, I have to go. Game just ended. I walk him out. As soon as I walked out, guess what I felt? <laughs> Drops. I told CL, he's in the backyard. He texts me, dude, it's raining now. God had made it stop raining for those hours over my house. Probably my neighbors got benefit of that too. And, and I had this look on my face. when it's, I walked Keith outside my front door. He, he looked at me and I had this puzzled look because as soon as I felt the drop, I'm like, like that. He asked me about this, I think it was last year. I told him, he goes, I knew something was up because that look in your face told me something. God stopped the rain for me. Who am I? My little simple impatient, God, you better do something or else I'm going to quit, right? Prayer. But God was gracious to say, I'm going to answer your prayer. And as soon as that game, the game stopped raining, everyone had a good time, game ended, it's the, rest, the next day it poured. I have this, this is my testimony in the Jordan. This is where God came through. And there's times when I've doubted, there's times, you guys know, pastor, don't you have that picture? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. <laughs> this, is my, this is my testimony. And I want to, here's my prayer, is that maybe in this next year, we have times where maybe a couple times a year, we have people giving their own testimony of how God has come through and say, because we need the encouragement. All of us need the encouragement. And maybe we line up and schedule you know, times where people can share, God came through me. And it doesn't have to be like, like this kind of thing. This was, you know. But maybe in a, in, a unique, in a unique and special way, God is saying, I hear you. You think God's running the universe and he forgets who you are. He thinks you're, you think you're just a number. You're a, he knows your name. He knows, your, he, he knows enough about you. He says, Nathaniel, I saw you underneath the tree. You know my name? That's how much he cares about you. Not just the pastor. He cares about each one of us. Amen? Let me just share something real fast in closing. We started the church in whatever year it was, but this past year, here's what we did, real fast. We said goodbye to our dear friend, Tom Combs. He's with the Lord now, and we know that. If you haven't had a chance to watch the, 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 the interview I did with him, Tom died the first time for 30-some-odd minutes, and he went to heaven, and the Lord sent him back, and then he died again. Now he's with the Lord again. I did an interview with him. Everything he saw is biblical. I did it. I just full thing. You did this? Here, you know, chapter verse, right? Bam. We said goodbye to him. January 21st, we had a celebration of life. We helped the homeless this year with our little bags, right? We went to Israel this year, didn't we? God brought us to Israel. Perfect timing, wasn't that? That was the Lord. God brought new families. How many of you guys, 2023 was your first time coming to our church? Wow, praise the Lord. Look at that. 
Okay. Now, some people say, you're all so small, you're just a Bible study. No, we're a church. All right? We're a church. We had 41 people attend Christmas Eve. Guess what? I don't do the, the stats. I don't, I don't care if God brings one person. Do you know that? We had 41 people last Sunday. 2021, Thanksgiving weekend, we had seven people. Nick, your mom was there. We sat in a circle next door. There were seven of us. Seven. The next week, there was eight. Okay? I don't know. Yeah. We, we, we were there. Remember that? In 2021, we averaged 15.34 people. So 15 people. Again, I don't keep track. Somebody else does. They just give me it. And I say, okay. In 2022, we averaged 20.25 people. So about 20. That's a 32% increase. And that gives give all the glory to God. Amen. Not me. Because I still can't sing. <laughs> so 15.34 in 2021. 20.25 in 2022. In 2023, our average was 31 people. That's a 52.66% increase. Now, some people are like, well, you should go from 20 to 2,000 overnight. We don't have the infrastructure for that, right? We'd all want to quit. <laughs> so you say, is God doing something? It's not just the numbers. We're praying for numbers. It's the growth, the spiritual growth that God has brought. We give glory to him. And we look forward to what he'll do. And guess what? In 2020, at the end of 2019, and beginning of 2020, I had a calendar, I had a spreadsheet of 2020, the entire year, laid out what I was going to preach. And 2020 hit, and God laughed at me and says, I don't know what's going to happen in 2024. All I do know is we're going to follow Jesus every single day, every single Sunday, and we're going to let him lead us and let him provide the, the Lord will cause the growth, not because of any efforts that we're doing. We're going to be faithful to preach and teach and study and pray and worship and love and serve. We're going to do that with God's help. Amen? Amen. Let's give praise to God. Amen. Bless God. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your faithfulness. We bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget Forget none of his benefits. Lord, your benefits are tremendously great. And though maybe a lot of them are submerged underneath the Jordan, yet, Lord, we know that you have been faithful to us all along the way. And if you were faithful to us back then, last year or year before, or if you were faithful to the Israelites, you'll be faithful even today and tomorrow. Why? Because you're saying, God, you're faithful. You don't change. That's who you are. And Lord, you will be faithful to the end to bring us, Lord, to, to the destination you want us to be, not just as a church, but individually. You will conform us to the games of Christ. And this church, Lord, let it be, Lord, a testimony to your goodness, to your work, and let it be that we speak of God here, that we give praise to God here, that we honor God here. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up? Isn't God good? Praise God.
Remember, if anyone wants to come over, hang out tonight, 5 to 10, just to fellowship. More than welcome. We'll have some food. I think appetizers or something. Uh, maybe order pizza or whatever. We'll figure it out. But um, I just pray, uh, first of all, may God bless your upcoming new year. May he encourage you. May he draw you closer to him. May he remind you of his presence in your life, even when you don't see him. Remind you of what he's done and how he's carried you and brought you th- so far. And you may not realize how much you're being used in people's lives. You may not realize it because you see yourself every day. But people around you who don't know the Lord, they see you. They say, there's something different. May we walk as sort of living Ebenezer's, living stones of, of God's help. Let's encourage and love one another. Okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. And Happy New Year.